Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Southwestern Advantage is about so much more than just helping your family with education. Our company is the nation's oldest entrepreneurial program, helping college and university students build character and develop the skills they need to achieve their goals in life. These are the kind of skills employers seek that cannot be taught in a classroom. Skills such as problem solving, effective personal communication with people from all walks of life, confidence, attitude, goal setting, and more. Since 1855, the Southwestern Family of Companies has invested in purpose-driven people who are inspired to build principle-guided businesses that impact the world. And for many, that purpose started with a summer at Southwestern Advantage. But this program isn't just about growing the young men and women whom you'll see in the community. It's also about growing your own son or daughter and the educational resources they will bring to your home are second to none with learning systems that address the whole child from preschool to 12th grade. Uniquely designed by top educators, these resources serve the modern needs of today's private, public, and homeschooled students. They're kid-approved, parent-preferred, and teacher-recommended. At Southwestern Advantage and the Southwestern Family of Companies, we invest in building people and inspire them to achieve their goals in life to positively impact the world. Learn more at southwesternadvantage.com slash action. Welcome to the Action Catalyst. Joining us today is Ryan Groom, a regional director with Southwestern Advantage and a wealth of great insights. So welcome, Ryan. Happy to be here. Well, so most of our listeners know Southwestern Advantage is the oldest direct sales company in the U.S. So what originally attracted you to Southwestern as a college student? So my first summer doing Southwestern was in 2006, and I was a sophomore in college. Uh, and and uh, I joke with people about how I was really a college lacrosse player with a college hobby uh, more than a college student with a lacrosse hobby. But, uh, you know, I, I, I fell into the same category as a lot of college students with the uh, what do you want to do with your life? Kind of, I don't know, you know, no concept of it at all. I was a business major and the summers leading up to Southwestern, I spent those summers just kind of soaking up the sun and on my free time and doing construction for a job. So I was minding my own business in the library at University of Minnesota Duluth. And and uh, my student manager just kind of brought up summer work and he, you know, total stranger just kind of brought it up and went to an information meeting and, and started, started listening. And, and it sounded kind of weird and unique. And I, I've been going to an information meeting about selling books door to door is going to sound weird to everybody on first glance. So, uh, but it, you know, it was really framed as learn to run your own business. And the, the, the way it was promoted to me is the same way we promote it today, which is, you know, if you reduce it down to its core, it's, it's, personal growth through challenge and and it sounded tough I, I i've always enjoyed a challenge from my from my young youth sports days all the way until now so um and and honestly it was fairly superficial why i decided to do it i i, I thought if i did average or even a little below average i'd still make more money than i did last year but i was like i, I bet i'd be good at that so i thought maybe if i did a little above average i could i could make enough money to pay for school so I had an amazing experience my first summer. I, I got into it pretty late, so I had a couple of weeks to prepare. And man, I just being around a company that's just totally dedicated to 
personal growth. Everybody that you talk to, every mentor that I've had suggests good books to read and talks about talks about character development and pushing past your boundaries. And it's just a it's just a great culture. So so I decided to do it a few more times through my college days and and brought a couple of buddies with me. And I felt like in the student management part of it, I was really making an impact. I was I was helping my my fellow college students along the way. Uh, and after college, I decided to to stay on full time. Man, I got to know what was one of the most challenging obstacles you faced at that time. Well, I think you know every year it comes with a different challenge, but but my honest answer might have been COVID. You know, and it was like it, COVID shut down college campuses all across the country. So obviously, the college students that we work with were were nervous to say the least. There's a lot of questions, a lot of fear, a lot of doubt. Um, from coming from everybody in March. And then, you know, we had to, we had about April to figure it out because the selling season starts in May. So that kind of March through into June was maybe one of my bigger challenges in my whole career, I'd say. So take us through, take us through the mindset of when you found out this was happening. I know everyone listening has an example in their own lives, but you and your team took some truly heroic measures. Yeah. Well, so I guess to, kind of the dry version of sort of technically what we did to react. Um, and then I, I'm happy to talk about mindset too, but basically, you know, that it happened right before one of the biggest meetings of the whole year uh, was supposed to take place in New Orleans. Uh, and within like three days, we had to cancel that meeting and figure out how to do our first ever webinar involving over a thousand people. And from there, we had to totally rewrite our recruiting strategy, which we've been doing for 150 years to modify it to fit into uh, a, a digital recruiting, Zoom recruiting, where we didn't even have in-person classes or in-person meeting space. Uh, training, we knew coming down the pipeline was we were still in the 15 days to flatten the curve thing when we were supposed to start the summer. So we knew we weren't going to be going door to door at that time because that would be obviously irresponsible. And so we had to pioneer a completely new strategy for virtual selling too. So we, we taught our students to do uh, a, a more referral-based selling strategy uh, over Zoom. At the beginning of the summer, we, we had them uh, move in with, with their roommates to, to uh, isolate for 14 days and do like just a little sales pod at the beginning of the summer. And then we had uh, training once, once the CDC said it would be okay for us to do that. And even, even in the summer program, we had very unique things about standing six feet away and we had masks uh that our students would be would be able to pull up and and all kinds of stuff so yeah it was a it was a big project we had one of our best years in per person average in recorded history i mean it was a great summer okay so tell us a little bit about the lifestyle and the culture of working at southwestern yeah it, one of the cool parts about the the hierarchy of our company is that uh everybody who you learn from or who are who are who mentors you has walked in your shoes has done the summer program all the way from the CEO uh down to you know the president of of Southwestern Advantage to all of my mentors even our sales support the the our secretary she did the summer program you know i mean it's crazy how as a college student coming in, the only people you're taking advice from are people who have who have done it in the past. And so kind of scrapping my way through every layer of the business from the most basics all the way up to some kind of high level leadership concepts um, it has been rewarding. And I think you have to do all the challenging steps to get to where I'm at. So my favorite parts of my job are, you know, investing in other people and trying to trying to add value to other people's lives. So that's what I do 
most now that I'm in the current position that I'm in. So Ryan, you, you've got a unique perspective you know, where you're working with hundreds of Gen Zers, but you've also spent a decade of working with millennials. So what have you seen as the biggest difference between the generations? Well, man, um, I've talked about the transition between Gen X and, and millennials. And I, I have my own criteria for what qualifies somebody to be a millennial. If you were 16 years old and you first started driving, if at that time you had a device in your car that would direct where you were going, then you're a millennial. If you predate that, your phone was like a flip phone or something where you still had to write down directions to get to where you were going when you were 16, then you pre-exist millennial. So that's that's my personal line. <laughs> but man, it, it's been interesting because, you know, f- for example, if you look at something like income, if anything, the, the students that are working in Southwestern now, their averages are higher in how much they earn. Their earning potential is higher. We've built this this residual machine where where there's a there's now a, a monthly website based subscription thing where students can generate residual income. Some of our students make hundreds, some of them into the thousands per month uh, during the school year from the work they did last summer. And it, it, it's it's interesting how when I was first presented to Southwestern, the guy who ran my information meeting was squarely in the Gen X category, and that's a lot of what what they promoted was earning potential. And even though I think as as we move through millennial into Gen Z, I think our earning potential has just has only gone up, but it seems to be less and less of a priority. It, it, we, we put less and less emphasis on it every year because you know working through the the millennial group and and specifically into into now a lot of Gen Z students, it's just not a not a huge priority. In fact, if, if you over promote that, uh, it, it's almost like. Uh, you're a villain, you know, you're, you're too, my, your priorities are off, which, which in the end, I think is a mature perspective that Gen Z has taken on the whole thing. But um, it's been cool, you know, because the, the essence of our company has always been, you know, personal growth through challenge. Like I said, it's, it's be the best company in the world and helping young people develop the skills and character they need to achieve their goals in life. So, uh, so it's been fun to kind of align with the people that we're, that we're recruiting now. Uh, and as far as Gen Z goes, I, I think Gen Z is, is a really unique, um, unique group. I mean, it, it's, it's been a blast. There are some of my favorite students I've ever worked with. And I, I would say things that they're good at, that it's one of the most creative groups of people I've ever seen. If, uh, an old Southwestern leadership pillar is be firm on principle, but flexible on style. And it's amazing how if you're, if you can, as a leader, if you can hold firm, you know, kind of stand tall against the rain on very, very important core principles, core values, uh, things like integrity, discipline, uh, positive mental attitude, service, uh, impact, you know, and, and we can really keep our crosshairs set on those things, then you can let the stylistic stuff go. And a lot of people, I think, who came before me were very rigid. They were very like, this is how it's done. This, you know, the standard operating procedures, manuals, and like you do it this way because it works this way. And, and Gen Z doesn't respond as well to that. You know, they, they prefer the creative, unstructured free space. As long as we can keep the crosshairs centered on, on the, on the core principles, they're, they're creative, they're innovative, and they're motivated by, by autonomy. You know, um, they, they, you know, if you're, if you're in the generation Z, one of the things I've noticed is, Something that we've been kind of prescribed from birth that I think, you know, our parents gave us with good intentions, uh, but maybe is a little bit, we've kind of warped it, is this idea of, you know, kind of follow your heart, which obviously that's a good 
principle in core. But what's interesting is when you watch the Gen Z students, what, what was intended for us to understand is pick something in your life that you're passionate about. It, it's the old, like, if, if you do something you love, you never have to work a day in your life. So I think, like, pick something that you think is going to matter. Uh, Gen Z people are all about making an impact, about global impact, about, about changing the world. So yes, that's important. Follow that as a career, a career trajectory. However, what we've done wrong as, as Gen Zers or what the Gen Zers are kind of prone to is they take out their follow your heart meter and they evaluate like minute by minute every single day. What is their heart feeling right now? And, and their heart is really their emotions that they, they, they kind of they kind of blur the line between what are you like long-term passionate about versus how are you feeling right now? And so a lot of times what happens is what they're doing right now, present tense, this month or this, this semester or, or sometimes today uh, makes them feel poorly. They, they, their feelings are bad. Their feelings are discouraged. Their feelings are frustrated, angry, whatever it might be, rejected. So because their feeling is bad minute by minute right now, they go... I'm not following my heart. And so then they, then they do a full career switch or they, they do a full major change or they do, you know, so, you know, to the Gen Zers out there, the intention would follow your heart is pick something that your heart is passionate about long-term and the road to getting there might be 80% not so good feelings in your heart, but that's the point, right? So uh, it, it's, it's been cool to kind of get to know these students and kind of where their hearts lie and where their passions are. So. Okay, so can you share any specific examples of helping lead a young person through a tough time? Sure. Uh, so one of the students I work with, who's who's no longer a student, he's very successful, and and I think he's technically a millennial actually, but he's probably a millennial Z or wh- whatever you said we were. He's probably that, but at the tail end of millennial. Man, you talk about a, a creative, entrepreneurial, hyper talented guy who who is disciplined in his personal life and he and he's a constant study of improvement and you know people who have done better than him in kind of his up and coming days we were always trying to fit him into this box of you know this is how it's done it's a 106 year old system you have to do it this way it's specifically in terms of, of recruiting and training people to go into their first summer and and he always had these ideas that at first glance looked to me the old institutional wisdom guy to be these mad scientist ideas that were never going to work. And listen to me, I know what I'm talking about. I've been here longer. Uh, and and slowly over time, as long as we were staying true to the principles, you know, as long as we were staying true to um, trying to add value to other people, to providing a service, uh, to, to teaching through challenge, uh, character traits like like uh, discipline and integrity and and all the other stuff, goal setting. You know, as long as we were staying true to that mission, if you want to dabble with some of your mad scientist ideas, go ahead. Stylistically, if you want to, if you want to do a different style than what I'm promoting, and the more leash that we've given him, the more innovation he's done, and the more I mean, he, he's come up with some crazy ideas, and most of them, the the rest of the company is now duplicating. I mean, it, it, he he teaches more training parts than anybody else at his level, uh, just because because he has pioneered some very unique, cool, innovative ideas, and he's. He's brought a lot of our recruiting techniques into, um, into the 21st century with a lot of this social media stuff. He's way better at that than I am. I think that's been happening all over the places. Is so long as we can stay true to the core principles, 
we can be pretty flexible stylistically. And not, not only are we safe to do that, it's, it's superior to do that because, uh, this generation just thrives on, on, like I said, autonomy and creative free space. They love, they love thinking outside the box and solving the problem. Yes. Redefining possible is all about breaking belief barriers, creating new normals. So what's the time you've had to redefine possible for yourself, man? How did you do it? Well, again, I don't mean to keep coming back to this year, but the 2020 was a year of that where we, it was, it was sort of, you might say forced innovation or, or the advantage to being in Southwestern is that it's a 160 year old program with a lot of very well-established systems and, and strategies. And the disadvantage to being in Southwestern Advantage is it's a 160-year-old system with a lot of very well-established systems and strategies. And so, you know, when we moved into this this pandemic, right before our bit, you know, our main selling season, that was whether we wanted to redefine possible or not, we had to. It, you know, it was it was adapt or die, right? So, um, it it was interesting, you know. We we lean on the on the core values that we've been taught. I, one thing to point out is our reaction in that moment to like redefining possible and 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 pivoting like that wasn't. We didn't learn how to do that once the pandemic hit. So a big thing that that we promote in our program is is this culture of being lifelong learners and and always reading new books and always interviewing people who have done better than you. And, and uh, our, it's just totally built into our DNA that every person in our org is trying to develop themselves. Growth is like the primary objective and everything else is secondary. So, you know, we had a we had a full sort of immune system built well before the pandemic. So what, what we did in the pandemic, I think, was more the byproduct of all the work that we had done leading up to it. It's a everything is a process. It's not like we all of a sudden hit this panic button and it just happened to land our way, you know? So, uh, but, but in terms of how we did that, I, to me, um, like I said before, flexible on style and, and firm on principle is big, but one of the, one of the, uh, catchphrases or one of the concepts that we talk a lot about is this idea of unconditional commitment. In other words, uh, one of my favorite quotes is if somebody is unconditionally committed to a goal, then the achievement of that goal is already assured. So the the operative word in that sentence is unconditional, right? If somebody's unconditionally committed. So that, that means without conditions attached. It's like I, I have a goal and I am committed to that and there are no conditions which could arise that will prevent me from hitting that goal. If that's your level of commitment, then it's impossible that, that hitting your goal is a foregone conclusion, right? And so if you don't hit your goal, then you weren't unconditionally committed some condition came up that prevented you from hitting your goal so uh so that mindset i think went we had our big goals laid out before covid-19 and then covid-19 and after during covid-19 we still had our big goals and it was just like we ha- we ha- we have no choice there is no plan b we're we're just going to hit our goals that's it uh it, you know it, it reminds me of um and I mean, this, this level of commitment applies in big stuff like business and hitting your, your quarterly goals, but it, it applies in, in, you know, if you're trying to do the whole 30 challenge or you're doing some new workout program for a month or you're committed to running a marathon, it, it applies to finishing college. It applies to marriage. It, it, 
it just, if you have a goal and you're committed to it and there are no conditions attached to your commitment, then you will succeed at that goal. And if you fail at it, it's because you weren't unconditionally committed. So um, the, the visual that I talk about with our students is it's, it's uh, a great visual from this book called The Art of War. It, it's an ancient book. It's, it's uh, by a, a Chinese general named Sun Tzu, and it's like older than the Bible. And it's commonly held even today as one of the better military strategy books out there. And one of the lessons that he talks about sort of from a psychological perspective is if, if you're the general of an army and you're attacking another army and that army that you're attacking is in the middle of a field, it's a strategic bad move for you to surround that army in the middle of the field. Most of the college students, when I say, okay, so here's this army in the middle of the field and you're supposed to attack them, what would your formation be? Most common answer is, well, I guess we would just surround them, right? And the book, this ancient and very well-respected book says that to surround a force in the middle of an open field is a tactical mistake simply because of the hearts of the men fighting. If you leave one side open and attack them from three sides, but have one side open, this is what will happen is the, the men who are being attacked, you know, the little sword fighters are sitting there elbow to elbow going, hey, hey, yeah, we're being attacked right now. This doesn't look good, but they left that side open. So let's fight. We'll try to win. But if we don't, then we can always run that way, right? And if their heart's one foot in the fight and one foot out the back door already, how hard are they fighting? Not very hard at all. However, if you surround them, now the two, the guys who are elbow to elbow being attacked are going, we either win this thing or we're dead. Now, how hard are they fighting, right? So you've accidentally motivated them to fight really, really hard. And so that's what the book says is it's a tactical mistake to do that simply because of the hearts of the men fighting. And that level of unconditional commitment, I think, is is sort of culturally why we reacted the way we did, because we have to. This is a crazy set of circumstances. This is a, a crazy condition that came up. None of us knew that was going to happen, but it doesn't matter. We are unconditionally committed to hitting our goals. So that condition is just another obstacle to be handled. There, there is no plan B. There's no retreat option. We just fight. Ah, oh, man, what a great example to close out on. Ryan, thank you again for being on the show today. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for having me. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.